the Lord. Amen. If you are here with a neighbor, just turn to your neighbor and say, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you with the blessings of the Lord. Amen. The Bible says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Tell him. Tell him. I see that you are come in the name of the Lord. And because you have come in his name, you are blessed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We'll go straight into the word. Hebrews chapter 13 from verses 15 to 17. Hebrews chapter 13 from verses 15 to 17. Um, I'll read. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for which... For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Verse 17. Open, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Amen. Amen. Last week, our brother uh, began this series called A Royal Priesthood, that um, Elder Eric. And he preached on Christ the new priesthood. Christ the new priesthood. Um, so if you missed it, please um, do go, uh, go watch it, listen to it, let it minister to you because it's going to be a progressive sermon, progressive topic. Amen. Today, by, special, by God's special grace, I'll be speaking on honor, the sacrifice of praise. Honor, the sacrifice of praise. Now, before I proceed, I would like to just make some brief distinctions. There is a big difference between salvation and priesthood. A big, big difference. Now, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out, called out. So, in other words, salvation brings the calling to you. Your reception of that calling calls you out. Once you step into that place where you accept the call of God, you are stepping out into the place of salvation. Amen. It is the place where you have been delivered into the glory of God, delivered by his mighty hand. It is not something you do. It is something he has accomplished. Amen. Now, priesthood is the ministry where the recipients of that salvation offer sacrifices. Now, when you think of a priest, you think about someone who offers something. A sacrifice has to be done or to be offered up. A priest offers sacrifices. Amen. A priest offers sacrifices as a means and a measure to intercede on behalf of the people that they are serving. Do we get that? A priest offers sacrifices. So when you think about priesthood, think sacrifice. Now the difference between the priesthood that we have here and the priesthood of the past is that we are a royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Some of those Old Testament names can tongue twist you. Amen. Melchizedek. King of righteousness and king of peace. King of peace. Why? Because he was the king of Salem. So he was a king of righteousness. And yet, he was a king of, 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 of peace, of shalom, wholeness, completeness. 
So you cannot think of a priest without thinking about righteousness and wholeness. It comes with the whole package. Now, king, because you reign through the priesthood, through the offering of sacrifices, that is very significant. Why? Because you are basically saying that you do not have the ability to reign. You are partnering with the one who rules and reigns in the affairs of men, offering him sacrifices. And through those sacrifices, you are saying, you reign. I'm not in charge. You reign. I don't have the power. You reign. I don't have the ability. You reign. So everything that we offer unto him must in itself proceed from him. Because nothing of worth can proceed out of us except it comes from him. So the offering of sacrifices of righteousness proceed from the one who is called righteous. Amen. So priesthood is a ministry that all the called out ones are inducted in by the basis of the calling itself. Now, when you think about a sacrifice, a sacrifice has to cost something. If it is not costly, it's not a sacrifice. If it doesn't... Now, I know people talk about salvation being free. It's free for you, but it costs someone something. The death of Jesus Christ. So, if a sacrifice isn't costly... By virtue of the word, it's not a sacrifice. If an offering that you are giving to someone doesn't cost you, it means that that person doesn't have value. Because it is only when someone has value to you, you take something that costs you to bless that person. That's why you hear of parents going hungry just so that their children can survive. Why? Because the children have value to them. They would rather starve than see their children starve. That is sacrifice. And so when David wanted to offer God something, wanted to get a field for God, and then the man that owned it said, come on, just take this. David said, I will not give something that doesn't cost me. If I am giving something to the Lord... It has to cost me something. Amen. So I want to turn to your neighbor and say, my sacrifice has to cost me something. Now, we are talking about honor as being a sacrifice of praise. How many of us know that when you are in a specific place, where you have ability, but then, because you see someone else come in your midst that has authority. And the best example to use about this are soldiers. Soldiers. When a general speaks to his lieutenant, even if the lieutenant thinks differently, once the general gives a command, what does the lieutenant say? Yes, sir. It doesn't matter how intelligent that lieutenant is. It doesn't matter the age 
of the lieutenant. I know because we're Africans, we tend to think of age. So age is a very good way to start. It doesn't matter the age of the lieutenant. The fact that that person is a general, he is what? A general. Think about the presidency. I'm sure when Obama was, was in, uh, on the, at, the, at the helm of affairs, most of the generals there were most likely older than him. But because he bears the title commander-in-chief, it doesn't matter how many years they have been generals. Once he gives the command, they have to obey. Amen? Honor. And don't worry, the direction I'm going is not the direction you think. Or let me, the direction the Lord is leading me is not what is probably going through people's heads right now. Amen. So I raise up your hands and say, Jesus, you are my commander-in-chief. Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, I heal you. Amen. Let us open to Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. And... It says, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. And unto the lamb forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, here we are seeing that the reason why honor is very, very vital and important is that it is one of the foundational eternal attributes of the lamb that is seated upon the throne. So when you think about him, honor has to be ascribed to him. Honor, deference, reverence has to be ascribed to him as an offering. Now it doesn't matter what those people, all those creatures, what they thought about themselves. It did not matter. It does not matter and will never matter. All that matters is what is ascribed to the Lamb that is seated upon the throne. Amen. Amen. So, when you want to define honor, when you want to define honor, the best way to define it is reverence. Reverence. You revere, highly revere that entity, that being. In this case, we highly revere the Lord. Highly. Someone raise up your hands and say, I highly revere the Lord. I highly revere the Lord. And another definition, according to the Bible, um, the Greek interpretation of the word used for honor. It says, the honor which one has by reason of rank and state of office which he holds. In other words, honor is ascribed to people based on the rank or office that they hold. Now, the third thing about honor is this. It is tightly related to obedience. Amen. It is tightly related to obedience. It means to obey someone is to honor and revere that person based on the rank that that person holds. Amen. Honor is a sacrifice because it esteems someone else over oneself by virtue of that person's rank. So when I see, when I step into an environment, it doesn't matter where I'm coming from. Once I step into that environment, I recognize that honor has to be given for that institution that I find myself in. Amen. It doesn't matter where I came from in the past. It doesn't matter what God is using me for in the present. What matters is what I have to give in response to the command of God. Amen. 
So when we look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 17 that we've just read. Hebrews chapter 13 from verses 15 to 17. Verse 15 speaks of the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips. Please, I would like, um, if possible, um, the scriptures to be on the screen for now. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Verse 16 speaks of doing good and sharing our possessions. Doing good and sharing our possessions. Now, verse 17, where I want to, read, where I want to stay for the time being. Verse 17. It says, obedience to those who have authority over us. You see, there is a progression from verse 15 to verse 16 to verse 17. From verse 15, he talks about, oh, come. If you want to truly honor, speak. And then he says, okay, now that you have spoken, now that you have used the fruit of your lips to give honor, you don't stop there. You obey. You don't stop there. You do something. If your actions does not match your words, it's called wasted effort. It's called flattery. Now, I'm not even speaking um, within human institutions. If we go to the place of worship and all you do is, oh Lord, I love you. You don't do anything to show that you love God. Come, how many of us now? Let us relax. Turn to your neighbor and say, please relax. How many of us here are married? Okay, I see a few hands. And some people are pretending as if they are not married. I know some of them are married. <laughs> Amen. Now, for the men, when you tell your whatever nickname, whether it be babe or sweetheart or honey or whatever, when you tell them, I love you, does it end there? Nobody is speaking. <laughs> oh, everybody is pretending holy. Okay, Father, we are holy. Uh, uh, holy, holy. Now, even if you sing how much you love that person to them and never spend time with them, you just go and say, honey, you know I love you. Day one, go to bed. You wake up. Honey, you know I love you. I love you so much. You are the father of my, or mother of my, my one and only, there will be no other. You leave. Day three. And then you do that consistently for 30 days. Is that a marriage? Is that love? So, if all you do is say those things, but do absolutely nothing to express it, have you shown that you truly love that person? No. So it's the same thing. I am not a firm believer of coming and just saying, I honor you, sir. I'm going, I, I honor you. Sir, you know we honor you. <laughs> or you are in a place of work. Then you say, ah, oh, boss, I honor you. Okay, we have this deadline, do this. Boss, but, but I honor you. Boss, you know I respect you. We have a deadline. Hey, boss. I honor you. That's the important thing. <laughs> How many of us think we'll have a job? 
It is not in the saying. Kenneth Hagin said something. He said, you know when you are truly maturing, when you are dead to the praises of men and dead to criticism. Those things are fluffy. They have no weight. What truly has weight is what you do to match the words. And so in verse 15, 15, he says, it's okay. Verse 15, he says, it's okay for your, the fruit of your lips to be offered as a sacrifice of praise. But when you go on to verse 16, he tells you, verse 16, do good. Don't just stop at offering the, the fruit of your lips. That is good. But go further than that. Do good. And communicate. To communicate, forget not. What he says there is share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. The fruit of your lips is good. But it is what you do to match the statements that come from your mouth. That is what God is well pleased in. And then when we go on to verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Now it is, it is important that we understand here that what he's saying here is when you step into a specific environment, recognize authority and obey. When you step into your families, recognize authority and obey. When you step into your homes, you recognize authority and you obey. When you step into your places of work, you recognize the authority and you obey. When you step into government, into the place of service, you obey authority. You obey the laws. When you step into the body, you obey authority. But now, the body of, Jesus, of Christ is, um, is a much more dangerous place to be in. In the body of Christ, you don't just honor authority. We are commanded to honor one another. Not just authority, but one another. A respect for one another. It doesn't matter how you think that person is. You have to honor them in heart, in mind. And we have to be very careful what we say about people. We have to be very careful what we say about our brothers and our sisters. See, David was a man that had this understanding. Even though Saul, it seemed as if Saul had been cut off from the promise. He said, how did it come into your mind to touch the Lord's anointed? When the Amalekites, who did not actually kill him, came and said, I killed him. Said, did it not cross your heart that you do not touch, you cannot lay your hands on the Lord's anointed? He didn't say, the one who used to be the Lord's anointed. But he said, the Lord's anointed. And in the church, the dangerous thing there is, oh, because we've all been taught, 
I don't, well, some people say out of control. Well, it doesn't matter. We all have been taught that authority within the church, you obey. But the dangerous thing is to see the person seated on your right and on your left and think that that person is not worthy of your honor. It is extremely dangerous. The Bible makes us to understand when you do not recognize the body, when you do not recognize the body, you are opening yourself up to danger. And turn to your neighbor and say, that includes you. And turn to your neighbor and say, do you understand what he's saying? What I am saying is this. When you don't recognize that you yourself are the body and you speak negatively against yourself and you treat yourself in a way that is disposable and you do not accord the honor of the Lord to your body, to yourself, to your mind, to your soul, you too are doing the same thing. You are dishonoring the Lord. Know ye not that ye are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are the temple of the... You do not even own yourself. Lord, you own me. Let us make that confession. Lord, you own me. And I will honor you with my life. And I will honor my brother. And I will honor my sister. It is important that we recognize that the commandment of the Lord is that we honor one another. We honor one another. But it didn't just stop there. When we look at Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 to 10, Proverbs chapter 3 from verses 9 to 10, and it says this, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We are meant as a body to honor the Lord with our possessions. Now, but the big question arises, what is our possession? How many of you first thought money? Remember, we offer spiritual sacrifices because we are a spiritual house. Now, I am not saying money is not meant to be offered. Please, if you know that the Lord is ministering into your heart, to <laughs> please don't resist the call of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and if any of you, nobody gets paid in this church for just FYI, so I'm not, it's not out of greed or anything. That we are to honor the Lord with our substance. But when we look at that scripture, how do we know what substance, what substance we possess? Now, for us to have that understanding, let us quickly read from Proverbs chapter 3, from verses 1 to 16. In fact, I'm, I might not be able to read, so I'll ask, let us read at home. Let us read at home. Okay, I go against that. I'll quickly read. Now, it says this in verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. You see here in verse 1 that he's calling a possession the law and the commandments of the person who was speaking. Now, verse 2, he now speaks about the increase that comes from keeping the law. 
He says, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. So the reward, the increase, is length of days and long life. Meaning length of days is not the same thing as long life. Length of days means that you have the ability to produce more in a day. Productivity. And then long life is just elongated lifespan. Amen. Now verse 3, it says this. Verse 3. Amen. Amen. Let love, let mercy and truth, love and faithfulness, uh, forsake you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, in other words, it is a tangible possession that you bind, that you write upon the heart. Now, verse 4 speaks of the reward. He says, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. In other words, you are rewarded with favor and high esteem. So, you have the, the possession and then you have the increase. The increase. Now, verse 5. How many of us have gone to verse 5? Verse 5 says, that we should trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So verse 5 is speaking about trust and acknowledgement. A possession you have. The increase is divine guidance. Amen. Verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Verse 8 says, the reward, it will be health. To your flesh and strength to your bones. So you see here, he keeps telling you what you possess, what you can offer unto the Lord. And then he tells you what you would receive as a reward. Health and strength in the bones. And then we go to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. All these possessions honor. But don't just stop at honor. He says, and with the First fruits of your increase. So when God gives an increase because of the honor you have given through the possessions, you also honor him with the increase. You honor him with the rewards. Now, verse, going further to verse 13. Verse 13. Verse 13 says this. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And then you look at verse 16. It tells you the reward of verse 16. Please when you have the time, just go and read through this. It says, length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor. So you do get riches and honor, and you do get all these increases. But we are meant to still give out of these first fruits. Amen. Unto who? Unto the Lord. So honor unto the Lord is both tangible and intangible. But of course, as we've read, the intangible outweighs the tangible. But we are still meant to honor the Lord with all these things. Because when you give God out of those things, you are telling God, I value you. You're telling God, God, you are the first in my life. You're telling the Lord, I honor you. And that speaks much more than saying, I love you. But if you do say that I love you, Lord, and I honor you, and I worship you, and you do those things, you are saying, Lord, I believe what I am saying. It is not entertainment. It is not an act. It is not theater. It is not high-sounding nonsense. But it is the truth that is revealed through my actions. Amen. And please, I'm not trying to breathe down conviction on anyone. I'm only speaking the truth according to the word of God. 
we honor the Lord with both the possessions that he has given us, the life that he has given us, and with the increase of that life. Amen. Now, we all know that man's primary possessions are his spirit, his soul, and his body. So we honor the Lord through our communion with him. We honor the Lord in our spirits through our communion with him, in our souls through the renewing of our minds, in our bodies in recognizing that our bodies belong to him and must esteem him as a sacrifice, a pure sacrifice that cannot be dishonored. Now, why is the sacrifice of honor important? Why is the sacrifice of honor important? The first thing is this. Acts of dishonor are judged instantly. Acts of dishonor are judged instantly. Now, when Belshazzar, how many of us know Belshazzar? I believe Belshazzar was the great, um, no, was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And what he did was, one day he was throwing a party. And for some unknown, ungodly reason, a bright idea <laughs> came into his mind. And, and said, I know what we need to do to make this party better. Let us go get all the temple vessels and let us drink from the temple vessels. And this intelligent young man, <laughs> as he was drinking, you know, I don't, you know, I haven't gotten drunk before by the special grace of God, but I heard that people who drink, they, they, they see double. <laughs> I think he saw double, but he wasn't sure he was seeing double. <laughs> A hand came on the wall and then was written on the wall. Mene, mene, teke, lo fasin. Um, I think he didn't even know what was written on the wall. He had to call Daniel to come and <laughs> interpret what was written on the wall. And then Daniel told him, you have been weighed in the balance. Now your kingdom will be turned away from you and it will be given to those who are from the Medes and the Persians. But why? He dishonored the Lord. He did not think it wise to let the things that are used for sacrifices remain where it is, especially if he did not know. I plead with you, if you do not know your brother or your sister, if you do not know them, and you speak negatively of them, you are inviting yourself to judgment. If you do not know them, if you do not know them, you are inviting judgment, instant judgment upon, please don't speak against people, especially those that are in the house of God. Especially those that are in the house of God. And I'm not speaking out of, it's because it's a prepared sermon. I have never spoken against anyone seated down here. Not even before my wife. I have never, I'm standing before the Lord. I have never, and will, by God's special grace, because I don't know tomorrow, but by God's special grace, that I will, <laughs> and by the grace that he, he gives me, I will not speak against anyone here. Why? Because you all, no matter where you are, you are God's people. God's chosen people. And how can we then speak against what God has blessed? What God has called? Now, yes, some of us might be going through trials, going through temptations. Some might even be still bound with strongholds. But they are children of God bound with strongholds. And what we do is we help them come out of that debt. 
Encourage them to walk in holiness and purity. No one started, did anyone here start holy? Did anyone come out and start saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord? If that's the truth, that person needs deliverance. No one came out pure. All of us required the blood of Jesus. And even when we initially got born again, how many of us were still very pure? Let us be honest. It took time. It took the ministry of the word of God. It took preachers and teachers helping and encouraging us. He says, a righteous man shall fall seven times. He didn't say a once righteous man. He, said, he didn't say a partly righteous man. He said a righteous man. And I'm one of those righteous people that fell down seven times. Actually, more than. But by the special grace of God, by the special grace of God, and only by his grace, I am not where I was. Even I'm, I'm not where I was yesterday. It's a daily cleansing. It's a daily dependence on his grace. So if you are here and you are saying, this thing that they are saying, talking about holiness, it's a facade, they're only pretending. I promise you there are some people that are not pretending. I am honestly sincere with you that some people that are not pretending. And even scripture gives us examples of people that are not pretending. So it is not a pretense. I come with you in the name of the Lord and I tell you it is not a pretense. It is not hypocrisy. So if you are seeing something within your life that does not match up with the word of God, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Tell yourself the truth. That's when I say humble yourself. Tell yourself the truth. It is until you come to that place and tell yourself the truth that the Lord will help you. He resists the proud but he grants grace to the humble. Tell yourself the truth. Come. I see what the word of God says. But in my eyes, it is impossible. Once you get to that point and you are bold enough to tell yourself the truth, then there is hope for you. And don't believe the lie that everyone does. If that's a lie. Everyone does not. Because the Lord will not put upon you a yoke that is unbearable. If he says, be ye holy as the Lord is holy. And believe me, there is nobody in this world that will come to the point where they say they are perfectly holy. Because holiness comes with each layer of revelation. That's why David would go into the presence of God and say, ah, deliver me from secret sins, secret faults. Because there are some things that you do not know that is a secret to you. Isaiah got a revelation of the Lord and he said, ah, I am an unclean man, an inundation of a people of unclean lips. This was a man that was already prophesying. He was already in the ministry. But when he had the revelation of God, he realized his true state. Amen. But what we're trying to say here is it's extremely important because acts of dishonor are judged instantly. Judged instantly. Especially when you know the truth. And for, if for us, if we think that this is an, an Old Testament thing, uh, because there are many examples. <laughs> think about Samuel. Um, was it? Um, no, Eli's sons. Offerings were being given to the Lord, but then he was selecting the choice. Can you imagine children? <laughs> they are bringing something to... And this... this uh, how many of us come from... I'm, I'm trying to limit what I'm saying because of people that might not come from Africa. How many of us come from Africa? 
How many of us have ever seen that they offer, do they offer sacrifices and put on the road in, where you come from? Uh, do you, you guys, do you, have you noticed that? How many people will go and touch it? <laughs> but this young man, yes, the Lord had said, okay, you can get some things out of the sacrifices. But this young man went and they were bold enough to do whatever they wanted. And of course, they did the extracurricular activities too. But they were judged instantly. Ananias and Sapphira, in New Testament, New Testament, judged instantly because they did not esteem the Holy Spirit. Peter said, Has, how could it cross into your mind that you will lie, not unto man, but unto the Holy Ghost? Brothers and sisters, I repeat again, don't see the person seated on your left or on your right as a mere person. It is a temple of the Holy Ghost containing the same power that rose Christ from the dead. We must be careful how we speak to and against them. Amen. Peter said he did not lie to man because he thought they thought they were bringing the money to a man. But they were bringing the money to the house of God, the body of Jesus Christ. That is where we are. The body, the powerhouse of Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts of dishonor are judged instantly. Judged instantly. And secondly, it's important because it enhances the effectiveness of our priesthood ministry. Amen. Acts, a sacrifice of honor is important because it enhances the effectiveness of our priesthood ministry. Everyone that has been called into Christ has been called into the priesthood. Amen. So we all have a priestly ministry. But when we honor the Lord, it enhances our priesthood ministry. Let's quickly read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says this. It says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that is with your, dwell with them with understanding, with your wives, giving honor to the wife. Amen? As to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So you see, Peter is saying here, even in the house or in the home, in the ministry of the home, we all are meant to honor one another. The fact that the man is the head doesn't mean he doesn't honor. In fact, you give honor to the weaker vessel. You honor them. Now, for those of us that have been praying that, notice that our prayers are not being answered. Honor. Not just our wives. I believe he's giving this as a template. Wherever you go to, wherever you find yourself, you honor. You treat them with honor. And it's not just a word thing. It's what you do. Amen. Amen. Action. You don't go into the place and divide the place. I'll, I'll bring it to our level. In this church, the person with the vision is who? Okay. Our pastor, Pastor Kwame. Now, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks or the ideas any of us have. It doesn't matter how educated you are in a specific place or how gifted you are. If you are not the person with the vision, be very careful. 
And I say that with all sense of humility, not because of anything. Because scripture is replete lengthy places where there was this honor for authority. Think Moses. Those that were even closest to him. He's the only prophet the Lord has spoken through us to Abba. We prophesy night and day. <laughs> if it is prophecy, it flows. <laughs> and there's no disputing the fact that probably the Lord was using them. No disputing the fact that those people are gifted. But the person that the Lord was using to lead the Israelites was who? And so, in the New Testament, you see a very strict obedience. Jesus made it very clear to whom he was handing the leadership of the church to. He went to Peter and said, Lovest me thou more than these. Feed my sheep. They all knew at that moment that Peter was the person he was handing over leadership to. We do not do what we want, but we do what he has told us to do as commanded by him. As commanded. Because it is in your honor unto established authority that you are honoring the Lord. That must be the recognition. What I am doing is unto the Lord. When I honor my brother, my sister, when I honor established authority, I am doing what? Honoring the Lord. I am becoming a part in the whole, contributing everything that the Lord desires, that his plan for the whole might come fulfilled. The head of a body is called the head because that person is the person that sees and hears. It doesn't mean, as I say, and I say this with all sense of humility and responsibility, it doesn't mean that you, you become a doormat. It doesn't mean that you become anything. It's just you recognizing the call and recognizing that what I am doing is unto the Lord. That your prayers might not be hindered. That your priestly ministry unto the Lord might not be hindered. And finally, it is the evidence of what is truly important to you. If you truly believe that the Lord is, is important to you, then you would honor him. If you truly believe your brother and your sister, you love them so much, you'd honor them. If you truly believe your family is important to you, your wife is important to you, you honor her. If you believe your husband is important to you, you'd honor him. If you believe your parents are important to you, you'd honor them. Is it not interesting that he says that when you honor your mother and your father, you have long life, and then you still see long life consistently repeated within the promise of honor. You can't break it out of one from the other. They are so intricately connected. But it takes humility, a recognition that the fact that I am not having my way, I am allowing the person who is esteemed to have his way, doesn't make me insignificant. It just makes me a part of the whole, establishing the vital force of what God desires to bring into that particular body. 
allowing the current of the flow of the love of God flow through the whole body that the same life force that flows in the head might be found in thee. But when I go against it, I am causing friction. And I am bringing fusion into what God has established. It takes a lot of trust. Turn to your neighbor and say, I trust you. I trust you. And I honor you. Let us rise up on our feet. And let us at this time begin to, at this time, just focus on the Lord.